Welcome to episode 78 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. Firstly, I'd like to sincerely thank all of the interviewees, listeners and the football community of the Illawarra, Australia and around the world who download this podcast. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you to the brilliant people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. Rob Giraudi is our interviewee in episode 78. Born in 1961, Rob joined Winuna Junior Soccer Club in 1967. It is here where he started his path as a striker in the game, under Jock Young. Growing up in this era, Rob was watching Ferry Meadow out at Dalton Park with his dad, and of course, he was watching South Coast United and Safeway United at the Old Balls Paddock at Winuna. After playing with Winuna Junior Soccer Club, and in junior representative teams with Federation Clubs Bowgowney and Wollongong City, Rob then forged a brilliant career in the Illawarra District Soccer Association, New South Wales State League and the National Soccer League, playing with Ferry Meadow, Wollongong Macedonia, Wollongong Wolves, Port Kembla, Coromel Rangers, Russellvale, Northern United and Tarawana. I appreciated the opportunity to record and listen to Rob's football journey. I have sincere respect and thanks for the time Rob gave up to do this interview and for allowing me into his home. Please enjoy episode 78. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Coromel, and I'm with my very, very special guest, Rob Giraudi. Rob, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Travis. Good to, good to see you here. Uh, let's start from the beginning. You're a Winuna Junior Soccer Club junior. You played there from 67 through to 76. Uh, what are your first memories of, of football? Yeah, well, uh, I, I remember Ocean Park very well. Uh, we lived in Little Street Winona at the time and my dad was a coal miner and I remember him buying me my first pair of boots and they were the, the lace-up ones up around the ankles and the white laces um, and also had the aluminium studs on it so <laughs> that's the first thing I remember is walking up a, the, the concrete driveway uh, making a lot of noise and I thought oh, this is alright you know <laughs> but yeah so we're in Ocean Park uh, under sevens I think I was about six and uh, I played under sevens there right through to um, under-14s. And back then uh, at Ocean Park, uh, was there a, a group of friends that you started playing with or did you just, uh, people at school were saying they were playing or, or how did you get into the sport initially? Well, I think my dad just took me down there and I used lobbed at uh, Ocean Park and obviously uh, you meet the kids that were there and um, some of them went to um, East Winona Public, a lot of them went to Winona, Winona yep. Public. I was actually at St. Joey's in Bulleye, okay. being a Catholic boy. So uh, I didn't have a lot of teammates from Bulleye at Winuna. I remember, you know, guys like Ian Serson, Glenn Trigg, Warren Watkins, um, Shawnee Organ. Yep. Uh, they're the ones I remember quite well. And first coaches or...? Well, it's funny, we had... Um, Jock Young was our coach. Yep. Uh, great gentleman, he's a, he's a lovely man. And Brian Hobbs was our manager, and we managed to have those two guys 
right through, as far as I can remember, right through to um, under 14s. Oh, wow. So we had the same coach and the same manager for that period of time, which was fantastic. Jimmy Hobbs' dad was Brian. Yeah. Um, he was associated with Bulleye at the moment. I think he was a strapper. Uh, he'd be getting on an age now, and I'm not sure whether um, he's still strapping, but um, what a great gentleman he was. And, and what about Jock Young? What did uh, he teach you? As we'll get into later, you, you played NSL, and, and some of that is uh, what you're born with, and some of it's what you're taught. Uh, what did he teach you about the game? Well, I think firstly, um, Jock had a, a bit of a passion for football, obviously, because he used to walk from his house and he used to carry his eight or nine balls over his shoulder from, I think it was Ocean, Ocean Street, Winuna which is along the, along the beach there on the eastern side of Winuna, uh southeastern side. He'd walk along um, Nico Park and then up through the old dump area yep. and then just lob it train and, every, and so it was twice a week. Um, but but what he, he was a great coach. Um, I think he taught us uh, the old wall pass, you know, uh, three yep. men, wherever the ball is, he wants three players. And yep. anyway, we practised it and, um, you know, it was repetitive sort of stuff. But the good thing about what we had there was... Um, we didn't really have a lot of turn, uh, turnover of players. We, we kept the same. Every now and then we'd get one or two new guys coming in. Um, but we stayed pretty thick and stayed together for, for uh, that eight-year period. And things that you still vividly recall about those junior days, were, were there certain, you know, was it gala day? Was it uh, winning the league or, or an extraordinary game? What, what do you still recall about those days? Well, we are pretty... Uh, we were very competitive, and so we won. I think we won about six or seven titles uh, in a row. So we we're quite, uh, we we're quite a strong side. And uh, what I can remember is that there was a period of time there between, I think it was under eights, nines, tens, elevens, and twelves, where, you know, we had three or four or five players uh, in representative sides. So guys like Shawnee Organ, Ian Serson, uh, Glenn Trigg, Jimmy Hobbs. Uh, we all went to the trials, and I remember distinctly remember under eights uh, that I missed out on on making the team where the other three did. So I remember coming home, having a bit of a cry, um, and my dad saying to me, "You know, well, you just got to go out there and try a little bit harder, son. You know, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of players out there, so uh, don't take it to heart. Get out there and uh, move on, basically. Yeah. So, and as we went as we went forward. Um, I was really more of a running type of striker. Um, uh, my skill level back in, you know, under sevens and eights and nines wasn't very high, yep. but I had a bit of pace. So that uh, usually does, you know, does your, uh, keeps you in good stead um, and you can kick a ball past the player and run past him. And for yourself, uh, you just mentioned it, that you, you play striker and, and predominantly done that most of your career, if not all of it, but... Uh, did you want to do that straight away, or is that where Jock Young put you? Or uh, I just can't remember playing anywhere else. I just yep. number nine. Um, I was a bit taller than most of the other kids at the time, so yeah, I played striker. And um, I remember because um, my dad was a great believer of you know because he knew I was I was quick. So every time we had a runaway, I, you know, probably uh, you know nine times out of ten, I'd put the ball in the back of the net. So one game, particular game in victory. I think we won 11-0 against Victory and I got nine. <laughs> uh, and I think someone else was mentioned it on, uh, I think Kevin Lewis actually mentioned it on another podcast where Dad would say, um, uh, Mr. Giraldi, uh, you know, give it ball to Robbie because he'll, he'll score you a goal and he gets 10 cents. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I used to 
<laughs> love going to school on a Monday and get the um, Vegemite crusty buns. <laughs> Obviously, you're, you're playing soccer, uh, but did you enjoy other sports as well? And, and you know, was there, you know, rugby league or union? Because you were fast, you, you could have been maybe earmarked by other mates in, into another sport? Yeah, I could have done. Um, <clears throat> but never got into rugby league, although uh, it was a passion of mine to watch it and follow Parramatta back in the mid-70s. I never played the game. But I did have a go at cricket, um, where I had a little bit of success with um, the under-16s at Northern Suburbs, which is the old Thoreau. Yep. Yeah, so I played cricket for probably four or five years. And then when the, the seasons intertwined, um, you know, come sort of January, February, you're going to start playing soccer and um, you're still playing cricket. So I had to make a decision and um, obviously went with the football. Reflecting on it now, do you think... Uh there was some strong players in there. You talk about Ian Serson, Sean Organ and, and the like that you were... Did that, do you think that helped having such a strong team that you then developed a bit more and, and had a core group for a long period of time? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it wasn't just the guys and the kids. It was um, the mums and dads were all, always, uh, you know, pretty close as well. So, um, you know, Rodney Worth, um, you know, uh, Glenn Triggs, Ian Serson, I mean, Ian's mum ran the canine and, you know, um, Harry worked at Lysarts and so um, his older brother, Ross, played for Winona. So, you know, it was a bit of a family affair, really, uh, for a, a number of years. And did you enjoy um, sort of game day in itself, preparing, having the boots ready to go, getting down to the ground, you know, changing with the boys warming up and all that sort of stuff? Uh, absolutely, that was all part of it, I think, as, uh, as kids. I mean, I remember taking the, um, you know, the, the shirts home. We'd have a turn each of taking the shirts and washing the shirts. But, you know, mum would put it on the clothesline and I'd rip them all off and, you know, <laughs> and start a game with my cousin. So we'd have all the numbers that, that were still wet. <laughs> <laughs> and in that period as well, there's a lot of football in the area and a lot of good football when you're growing up. Um, what are your memories of either going with your brother, your cousins, your dad to to the local game, and and who did you go and watch if you did? Well, my memory gets me back to well, I was probably 14, 13, 14, maybe a little bit younger, and Dad would take me to uh, Dalton Park in Ferry Meadow, where Ferry Meadow were playing in the, in the then Illawarra Second Division, yep. I think it was. So uh, guys like, I think Norm Flanagan was there and uh, Ray Orphan and Neil Miller and a couple of the older blokes. Um, I remember him taking them there and they used to play in the old uh, blue and black. Yeah, the Inter Milan strip. The Inter Milan strip, yeah. So, um, but ever, whenever I saw a game of football, I was, um, I was excited. So, you know, if my dad took me to a game, it'd be that one. It'd be yep. a Ferry Meadow, yep. predominantly. Although I did go to games at uh, Memorial Park, um, you know, Coromel Rangers versus Winona or something like that. Yep. I remember um, back that far. But so Ferry Meadow was my first introduction to senior football, yep. but as a spectator. Yeah. yeah. And then obviously over the years, because we lived in Little Street, it was Balls Paddock and it was um, South Coast United and Safeway, at which then I think they went to Balgowney. And then Wollongong City after that. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, those early years, I mean, I. Me and Serso or me and Sean Jorgen, we'd be ball boys there for um, Safeway United in 1972-73, oh, wow. you know, throwing the ball to Noddy <laughs> Alston or Peter Wilson or Jerry Walker. Um, but they were great memories. Yeah. And could you, because you'd go out and watch Ferry Meadow and then go and watch 
South Coast United or Safeway. Could you, um, although you were sort of younger, could you pretty much tell the difference in, in quality straight away between the two sets of games? Absolutely. I think, um, you know, in my eyes, um, South Coast United and Safeway and Balgani, well, that was, that was like, um, it was, for me, it was like their pros. Yep. Although they did work yep. uh, back in those days, um, but they were the best. They were the best we had, um, and we had some great players there, some good talent over the years. And um, I remember names like uh, Jimmy Gleeson, and um, when Safeway started, and you know, Bobby Fryer was still there, and um, um, a couple of guys, Willie McGrody, yeah, um, Adrian Olston. Yeah, there's a, a number of them. And being a striker, did you? Uh, gravitate in those games, whether it be at Ferry Meadow or South Coast United, to, to watching, you know, Noddy or watching the opposing strikers and see what they did? Did you gravitate to that? Or were you well, just I, th- a... I think, yeah, you know, um, I didn't go out there to, to actually do that. But, yeah, I, you know, I'd see uh, strikers and how they played and um, I tried to sort of emulate, um, you know, I, I was a great fan of Noddy Alston. Um, he even coached us as, a, as an 11-year-old at, at St. Joey's at Bulleye while he was working at uh, Safeway. Yeah, so uh, good old days, you know, I, I really enjoyed um, going to those games. Um, yeah, and then um, we ended up, I think it was 1975, yeah, 75, 76, when it became Balgani and Safeway, whether they folded or they changed sponsorship, I'm not sure exactly why, why that occurred. But uh, a guy by the name of Herbie Williams came in and um, we, Played in the under 14s and 15s, um, representative side as well as Winona. Oh, okay. So yeah. it was both. Yeah. So just going back to Noddy for a moment, uh, how cool was that for you, even at St Joey's there, to, to have a, an international, a bike you watched, and then love playing, come and come to the school and and give you a few particulars about the game. Oh, it was great. Yeah, I mean, I mean, watching him on the weekend, and then uh, when he came to the school, well, everyone was, um, you know, like, wow, he's not Austin. Is he playing in the World Cup? You know, he's, um, well, it was actually a bit earlier than that, before the World Cup. It's probably 72, I would think. Yeah. Yeah. And that time uh, before you had the, the representative days of playing under, with Bowgowney in the Federation, uh, did you make any representative teams before that? Uh, yeah, well, I played with um, Alan, Alan Thompson was our coach, and he played left fullback for South Coast. Yep. He was a little left fullback, great little player, and he's a um, big fan of Ipswich Town. <laughs> and I remember him picking us up, and, and again, we played for Nina in the morning on Saturdays, and then on a Sunday, he'd pick, up, he'd pick us up, pick three or four of us up, whether it was uh, like my, Mark, guys like Mark Sweeney, Jock Melando, yeah. myself, Dean Gardner, all made that under-14s representative side. And we're all from up north, so... Uh, we'd all get to um, Kentucky Fried Chicken in uh, Ferry Meadow there, <laughs> and you know off we went to Sydney to play in a rep game. And how did you find uh, uh, representative football? Um, like like you said, you're successful in the junior leagues um, with Winuna, and and now playing with a, a couple of your teammates, but also playing with other talented individuals against talented Sydney teams. How did you find that? Yeah, again, uh, when I was under 14s, I was probably more on the bench than playing. We had okay. guys like uh, Phil Brown, Paulie Kay. Yeah. Um, Davy Skeen played the year below us, I think. But uh, I think the year after he played up, up a grade. Yeah, but Jock Melando, um, Brian Downs. Um, we had a pretty good side. Um, Dean Gardner, Mark Sweeney. 
uh, Murray Brown. So um, I, I found that it was it was up certainly upper level. Yep. Um, playing with the best against the best kids in in Sydney, um, and that you know that obviously stands you in good stead moving forward. And uh, was it more the second year that you got a bit more of the go then in that team? Pretty much, yeah. So yeah, served your yeah. apprenticeship. Yeah, we um, we actually made the grand final in 1975, and we played the grand final at the old Sydney Sports Ground um, as a curtain raiser to Man United and Australia. Yeah, uh, it was a four-one victory to Balgani. Back was called Balgani, yeah. and we played in the orange and black strip. Yeah, so that was um, that was a bit of a um, exciting time because we're actually in the same shed as the Australian side. Wow! So when we finished the game, they were obviously preparing to run out. Um, but you know they were sort of geeing themselves up, and the coach was talking to them, and and you know you're looking up at them and you're thinking, oh well, here we are, like these are the guys that um, are actually going to the World Cup soon. Yeah, so that was good, good years. So do you think that having a local team like South Coast United and Safeway United, and then having experiences then in the federation as a junior representative, where you're interacting? watching these players, do you think that helps in the development of, of kids? Oh, 100%, 100%. I think back then, um, the culture was a little different. Um, the dynamics, the, the, you know, was, was different. You know, there was a lot, of, a lot of migrants that came into the country in the 50s yeah. and 60s and their kids were brought up on football yeah. uh, and that was all that was spoken about. So, uh, you know, most of the time you'd, you'd, watch, you'd watch it on TV until you went down and played, played the game yourself as a junior. But um, times have changed, and yeah, a big part of um, football back then was um, the immigrants. Um, you know, you go through the, the sides in Sydney, you know, St George, Budapest, Panhellenic, Yugal, yeah. Yugal um, Prague, you know, it, it goes on and on. So um, I think, I think th- th- things have changed, and ever since, um, that's why I enjoyed Ferry Meadow and Wollong United going into State League, because it gave the younger guys, the younger players, um, I call it the ladder of opportunity. If yep. you want to get better, you've got to step up, and you step up slowly. It's very difficult to go from playing in the Illawarra Premier League to, let's just say, the A-League yeah. uh, at this point. And uh, before we move on uh, from your junior days, uh, what about, you know, you, you were there watching South Coast United and Safeway, and, and then you were a ball boy at times, but to then in that under-14s and 15s for Balgowney and the Federation representative teams, how was it to play on the old balls paddock? Because it was quite an iconic ground in terms of how it was set up and the crowds that were there, but how was was. it for you as a player to be on the pitch? Well, it was the best pitch. It was the best pitch in Illawarra to play on. I mean, that's where the the big boys played and that's where the crowds came to. So any time you you got the opportunity, yeah, it was fantastic. Um, And, you know, moving on towards 78, 79, I think the Illawarra Premier League used to run a seven a seven side knockout yeah. in the evenings. Um, again, uh, when I you know was 16, 17 and went to Ferry Meadow, that's where we'd um, we'd play those seven side knockouts. You did great sort of afternoons on a Thursday night, Friday night, yeah. pre-season comp. So 76, you finished your junior football and you're into senior football in 77. So was it that connection that your dad had going to watch Ferry Meadow play meant that you went there in for youth grade rather than try and play yep. representative football it was as simple as that well um at that age uh, there was there was no representative football outside of the under 16s um so ferry meadow was the ideal well ideal club for me because 
My dad was Italian. Yep. And my godfather, Sammy D'Arcangelo, great man, he's passed on now. Um, he was the sports president at Ferry Meadow. So he, being my godfather, he actually drove me down to my first training, uh, introduced me to everyone, and that's where I, that's really, it's my really first start of um, senior football. And so where would they train and play when you started in 77? Well, we trained at, uh, we trained at Herb Clunas yep. uh, in 77. Our pre-season was obviously down along North Beach or South Beach, wherever. Um, at the 1977, I think it was Phil Carr that was coaching the first grade side. But we had a guy, uh, Richard Pieck, who was, yep. um, again, um, played with the, I think, Balgani, played with Balgani Federation in the early 70s and that, but uh, Richard Pieck, Harry Satin, um, ended up yeah, coaching us the first year. Yep. Yeah, so that was my first introduction to to senior football, yeah. So uh, you didn't really have any inclinations to go, well, I should still be playing representative football, even though there wasn't, and you were quite content and happy that I'm with Ferry Meadow here. It was definitely a, a club that was on the rise, mm-hmm. so it was, a, you thought, a very good move for you? Well, I didn't know it was on the rise back then. Uh, I knew they came up from the second division, and I knew Phil Carr... Who obviously played for South Coast uh, was a you know uh, a pretty good pretty good top coach at that at that time, um, but yeah so the yeah I had some friends my brother ended up coming the year after, and then um, a couple of friends of mine that I brought down with me Dean Gardner, Terry Wall was a goalkeeper, um, so yeah the start of '77 well we um, I think we won the Cass Cup in in, yeah, in both did. those years yeah under uh, Richard Pieck and a couple of overage players, uh, Mickey White and Harry Satin. Yeah, and again, that was at Balls Paddock. Yeah. So um, for yourself, uh, what was it like uh, going into senior football, into the youth grade? I think it was the old under-18s at the time. Mm-hmm. So you were sort of enjoying it. And, and did you have any interaction with the, the first grade squad at times or did you just get to watch and not see the first what they year. did? Yeah, no, not the first year, but because uh, I was young, I was still, I think I was still 15, uh, going on 16. Um, no, it was just all youth. I remember the youth um, under-18s it was, yeah. Um, trained a couple of nights a week, a bit, bit similar to what we did, you know, under 14s and 15s at, at rep level as well. But, um, yeah, winning the Cash Cup was a bit of a buzz for, for those two years. I can remember it uh, very well. Were you a fairly sort of structured or amb- ambitious person in the sense that you thought, okay, I'll, I'll do my time here and I really want to try and make first grade? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the problem we had at Ferry Meadow was that um, yeah, at first grade level and reserve grade level, there was like you know, 25, 30 good players. And you know, for, for someone so young at 16, 17, I mean, uh, it would have been difficult to actually make those two sides. But um, I got an opportunity the year after when um, I think Phil Phil left, and Huey Tinney came in. Yep. And Huey Tinney had um, you know a friend of mine, Reg Chilby, played at the back with Huey. Um, and I think the first game of that season, uh, he actually, I actually started yep. against Bulleye. Um, but then I went into a tackle with a big boy, big uh, big bird from Bulleye, and he just crunched me in the knee, and I was out for about nine weeks. Wow. I was injured for uh, quite a long time, so. But yeah, that was the um, that was the year I really um, probably uh, enjoyed myself as far as I didn't enjoy the injury, but um, just looking at both sides, um, it's difficult to get in the reserve grade side coming up from the youth team as well. Yeah. And having an injury like that, does that sort of uh, 
although you don't know it at the time, uh, do you think incidents like that can teach you resilience? And then, like later on in, in your career, you, you had some ups and downs and you really had to fight through sort yeah. of niggles and serious injuries. Does that help? Yeah, I think I, I think I was quite resilient. Um, you know, and nothing, I was never scared of anyone. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, two arms, two legs, get out there and, um, you know, and fight for what you think is, is right. But, um, but I was resilient. I think, um, you know, I'd, I'd fight. I was, like I said, not, not the most skillfulest footballer in the world. Um, but I was taught well and I knew, um, I knew where to make my runs and um, that brought me some success um, at Ferry Meadow. Uh, but then things changed a little bit in 79. Uh, I got an offer to go to uh, Macedonia in the State League, which was a, a little step up. Yeah. So I took that opportunity and, and left Ferry Meadow. Um, and went down there with Mike Johnson. Yeah. Before we talk about that, uh, was there a couple of uh, uh, before you left from Ferry Meadow to to Macedonia? Was there a couple of plays in the in the Ferry Meadow first grade team that you sort of uh, looked up to, or they gave you a bit of advice while while you were there? Absolutely, there was a number of plays. It wasn't just one or two. There was like I would say there was more like nine, ten, or eleven uh, guys like uh, Stevie Hanna, and again he's passed away too. Um, Paul, Paulie Landrigan, Bobby Ficasso, um, you know, Graham Gardner, um, Huey. There was lots of players there. And um, in reserve grade, guys like Ray Cario, Wendy D'Arcangelo, who, who played with Ferrimento, you know, in the second division and come through and now playing sort of reserve grade. But, um, yeah, Neil Miller, I remember Neil. He's great, great sort of um, played at the back uh, under Cari. Yeah, they, they always, always at the frat, you know, after every game, the youth grade, under-18s. Reserve grade, we'd all get together, have a meal, and we'd discuss, you know, the day's football. Um, that's what I can remember. That was a good old. Um, everyone had come back to the club. Um, something that we're probably not seeing today. And uh, although uh, it might be sort of discussed the frat, but did people sort of take you aside sometimes, or or Hugh Tinney or Steve Hanna or whoever, and go, look, you should be doing this more, or? You know, you had you had like I think uh, at one point there, I think Graham Gardner before you left, he was playing at the time. So did any of them sort of say, look, this is what you should be doing, or is it more you watching and learning? I think so. I think you're still growing at that age. Um, you watch, you learn, um, and then you know, when you're given the opportunity or the door opens, you, you try and take it. Um, unfortunately, I, I I thought that if I went to the uh, federation. Um, um, I'd have a more, better chance of actually growing into a team rather than trying to trying to get in there as a young guy. You know, yeah. these guys are all mature men. You know, 27, 28, been playing Illawarra football for a while, and at my age, um, probably would have been difficult for me to actually make those sides. So, hence the move to Macedonia. And was that um, you, you know, driving out there, going to pre-season training, or did someone from the club or Mike Johnson contact you? No, I was uh, I was driving uh, back then. I had my own car, and I'd drive would drive down to uh, wherever we trained, whether it was King Mickey Park or whether it was um, JJ Kelly or Berkeley. Um, number of venues we, you know, chop and change. Um, but yeah, I used to just drive. Yeah, uh, obviously Harry Satin was a good mate of mine, and Ronnie Satin. Yeah. Uh, they uh, Ronnie didn't make the move until a little bit later, but Harry was already there. Um, and um, you know Jimmy Dafkowski, a couple of um, other. Players that I did know, Peter Terzioski was there, Mille Peterzioski were there. Um, they had a pretty good squad. Uh, and getting Mike Johnson, um, well then, you know, obviously trying to um, 
get promotion into the first division was the the big ticket item so that's why I went and uh, although um, it's a team sport sometimes you have to go to new clubs and you have to then forge your own way correct but does it help in a in a way that you had blokes like Harry and you mentioned some of the other guys that you knew of mm. and and you'd sort of been around does it help having a familiar face when you do go to a new club yeah, well, back then it was, uh, I didn't know whether I'd fit in because, um, you know, most of them were Macedonian players. Yeah. Um, and to have a couple of Italians come in, um, I thought, well, you know, this house is going to go. Um, and it ended up being fantastic. They were great people. Um, took me under their wing. Um, and again, there was players there that, um, you know, were committed to, to the club. And um, we all worked together and uh, trained together and played together and ate together and drank together. And that's what a club should be like. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, today, um, uh, I, I don't see that anymore. No, I don't either. Um, so, Mike Johnson, uh, I've spent even with your brother and and a few other guys that I've talked to that, you know, um, most people in the Aurora that that know of of the '60s. You know, he came out and played with South Coast United, um, and then has done a lot in the game. But what were your first impressions of him? Uh, as a coach and as a bloke yeah well I didn't get uh, yeah I guess we had to name him boss so that's okay. that was that's that was the call um, we had to call him boss now over the years and you know, I think I was it was the first two years I was there with him um, I found him brilliant he was yep. absolutely brilliant he was um, he took me aside and I'd you know I'd get the training early and we'd uh, we'd practice you know near post runs far post yep. runs um, I you know where to make where to make runs into the box as a striker, uh, someone to be taking corners, and then you know you're practicing your header, you know, but your near post, far post. So very, he's very structured, um, and he believed in in players being fit. So he got us all fit, and then we played to a certain system based yep. on the players that we had. Um, he he liked to play football, but he was uh, he's also very direct. So you know, rather than take two and three and four touches, get it knock it and move into space you know show again you know he was um a fantastic um for a young guy like i was then um probably one of the most influential coaches i had yeah and is that uh, like a few and I, I think your brother mentioned it as well about it could sometimes be peculiar um and and sort of have blokes lying on the floor in a change set or something like that at half time yeah but, but it seems to me after reading a lot about him and and talking to blokes that he put in the time. Like he did. He, I've heard numerous times now about people before training, mm. even after training, as well as the main training session. So do you think he just putting in that time and effort and interacting with players if they wanted to helped? 100%, yeah. Look, he had a lot of time for the younger players. I can remember one weekend where he... Actually turned up at my house, parked in the driveway, rang the doorbell and said, introduced himself to my mum and dad. Yep. Said, I'm Robert's coach. And um, we sat down and had a coffee and maybe a little bit of a glass of wine the old man brought out. <laughs> but he used to say things like, you know, Robert and Paul are very talented and, you know, you've got to make sure they eat well. And, they, you know, so, so he was quite left field. Yeah. So nutrition was part of it. Yeah. Fitness was part of it. Um, but, you know, commitment, dedication, um, and you know, once he knew that you had some, a little bit of will and desire, he'd work on the rest. Yeah. Um, and, and then that's a great recipe for success moving forward. Yeah, he's, you know, he, again, he's passed away too. So, 
And do you think, um, uh, like you said, he was left to field at times, but do you think he was ahead of his time in the sense that he really... All coaches have to deal in the physical and the and the sort of man management, sort of talking to players and that. But he was really ahead of his time with that Absolutely, sort of mental yeah. side of the game. Well, the mental side. I mean, he, he he's um, his philosophy was mental preparation. So okay. he spent uh, probably forty percent of his time um, on us mentally. Wow. You know, so smell the grass. You know, smell your boots. Um, kick the ball. Make you know. Make you know when you're taking the corner. Uh, make sure you do it right, you know what I mean? Yep. Keep practising. So, but so he'd get us in the shed, yeah, and I think I remember uh, guys like uh, Glenn Fontana and Natch Vardaroff and Johnny Bingham were in the side back then, yep. um, and myself, and we are all sitting in the darkness in a, uh, at uh, Vikings Oval, training at Vikings Oval, and uh, being very serious, he'd bring down Tingling Tom, his name was. He was yep. a, a boxing coach, right. with cauliflower ears, and he'd sit there and he'd, uh, he'd basically, what we were doing, we were meditating. Right. Well, and we're all laying down, meditating, and he got us. And we called him Tingling Tom because he kept saying to us, "Can you feel the tingling in your head, from the top of your head to your tips of your toes?" And next thing you know, I think Glenn Fontana let out a little fart, <laughs> and the whole place erupted. But uh, you know, so they're the sort of things that he was doing. I'm talking 1980. Yeah. So it was a long time ago. So, and he had videos. He'd take us up to Miranda in his office where he worked with AMP, and Rally Rasich was there as well. Yeah. And he shows videos of mental preparation. It was it was all about golfers in the PGA okay. Tour back in those days, where they'd spend a lot of time um, mentally preparing themselves to to play the, the sport that they're good at. And do you think um, now looking back all these years that um, a key part of your success was having someone that sort of devoured the sport and enjoyed it so much and was just bathing in it, I guess, and and sort of enthused you and others around you? I think so, yeah. I think, like I said, what Dean brought up at Winona and, and going through what I did with, um, you know, with the Safeways and as a kid uh, and then having an opportunity to play um, at a higher level under a good coach and then getting that mental preparation sort of embedded in your brain and, um, and the resilience and I think that was a good stepping stone for me, yeah. And uh, the football itself, once, uh, like you said, you you're probably right, Ferry Meadow were on the verge in that late 70s and they were a powerhouse, so it was a hard team to get into, let alone get into reserve grade. So going to, to Macedonia when you did in 80 there, um, how was the change in football from Premier League first grade to to first grade in, in the second tier of State League? Yeah, again, um, I didn't play for Premier League uh, football. Um, we the best I did was the grand final at Memorial Park against Dapto in 1979. I think we won 4-1, and I played reserve grade, played a full game, yeah. grand final. Um, again, never played never played first grade, other than that match that uh, where, I, where I hurt myself when um, okay. Huey Tinney put me in. So going to Macedonia really was my first taste of senior football as a first grade player. But then, you know, obviously, you know, you grow. I was yep. 19, I was 19 then, yep. so I was ready for it. You know. And did you enjoy? Uh that sort of increase in skill, physicality and speed that there would have been that state Yeah, and it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. I mean, we had a, a pretty good year in 1980. We, 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 I think we won the grand final with, yep. with Mike Johnson and Fonny and uh, Natch Vardaroff and, and, you know, all the, you know, the Dafkoskis were there, Fajeskis, Chris Teleski was there, Andy Campbell was there, yep. uh, Millet. There's a number of players there. Harry, Davy Jerza, I think, played with us. Yeah, we played um, St George. Uh, I 
not sure whether Frank Harrop had him at the time, but um, Jock Melando was playing for St George yeah, at the time. Yeah, he did too. Yeah, and um, we ended up beating them. So it was a good little sort of... Again, we didn't get promoted, but, you know, next year we try again. And for yourself, uh, do you think you surprised yourself by playing as much first grade as you did in that first year and, and doing so well? Well, well, Mike gave me a go and I um, I held my own and, yep. um, you know, I was scoring goals and we were doing okay. So I think I think the confidence I had playing under him was um, kept, me, kept me in first grade. And you said it before about that ladder of opportunity um, and was that one of the main reasons why you wanted to sort of take on State League and, and then have a Absolutely. go? Absolutely, yeah. Not only State League, because I think 81 was when the Wolves come back in. Yep. Uh, and I was contracted at Macedonia. But um, at, at the time, we played a, um, a probables versus possible side yep. from the Illawarra sides at Balls Paddock one night. Um, and I can't remember. I think it was like probably late 1980. Um, and a number of, you know, like players that wanted to move up a level turned up and we all had a bit of a game. So um, I remember Ken Morton saying to me, look, um, I want you to come down to Balgowney. That's where I was training at the, at the time. Yep. And I met you know, Larry Gaffney and, and John Fleming and a couple of other guys. And um, he said, Rob, um, I'd love to... I trained for two, two nights there. Um, I'd, he said, I'd love to have you here. He said, but um, I'm buying guys like Phil O'Connor and Roy Cotton from St George for $10,000, $8,000 transfers, he says, and um, that's what the Massos want for you. <laughs> you know, I said, well, it is what it is. Yeah. I'll see you later. But, uh, so, where Jock and Jock got a bit of a run and, and um, he was a contractor with anyone at the time, Jock Molando, and then um, Natchi was the goalkeeper and obviously Fonny had no trouble getting away from, I think it was at Tara at the time. Yep. Um, but yeah, so my opportunity at the Wolves didn't come around until mid-80s. But do you think um, uh, that interaction uh, sort of planted a seed to say, well, Ken Morton's no mug. Um, he, he thought there was a potential opportunity for you there. Did it plant a seed in your head to say, well, I'm going to ha- keep having a crack at this and maybe there'd be a chance later on? Absolutely, yeah. That, and that's, you know, that, again, that's these sort of things come up in your life and you're you contracted, they wouldn't sell me and they wouldn't pay that money. So I had to persevere with uh, Macedonia at the time. But, yeah, that, I, in the back of my mind, I knew that one day I'd, I'd get the opportunity, yeah. Absolutely. And, and as a younger person, um, sometimes we don't know the ways of the world. Um, uh, did it then sort of teach you about about contracts and about sort of you sign something, you've got to see it through or someone else has to pay something out to get you? Absolutely. And I think... Um, not so long after what I'm going to about to tell you is um, that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, they, Ferry Meadow wanted me back. Yep. Uh, they were in the state league, and then uh, Mike Johnson went from Macedonia to Ferry Meadow. And for me to get to Ferry Meadow, um, well, someone had to pay a transfer fee, um, and, uh, and it wasn't me. <laughs> and I, I think Mike, Mike Johnson paid out of his own money, as wow. far as I know. Wow. Yeah. And so. That wasn't probably a hard decision because you knew who Mike was. Excellent, um, yep. You knew who Ferry Meadow were. Yep. Um, so was there a bit of sour grapes from Macedonia's perspective or they saw, you know, you know the coach, you've been at Ferry Meadow before, they were, as long as you paid the fee, you're, they'll fine? 
Yeah, I'm, in 1983, we, I, I got married. Um, and so I was away for like six or seven weeks of that year. And then I didn't really, wasn't enjoying myself. Uh, once I knew Mike was going to Ferry Meadow, um, I knew that's where I was probably going to be heading. Um, although the contract um, and the transfer hadn't, hadn't been discussed at that point. Yeah. But somehow, uh, if I remember rightly, there was a Maurizio Montecchi, who was a left fullback, oh, sorry, right fullback. Um, he came with me, okay. and I think Mike got us both to Ferry Meadow at the time, yeah, before the 83 season. And uh, obviously, uh, with the advent of Ferry Meadow coming, coming into State League, um, there, there became local derbies, um, and, and both, both sets of clubs had good followings. So uh, it was a quite exciting, um, A, not to have to travel one week, in an away game and then B, play a local derby which, you know, had a lot on the line. Yeah, the good old local derby, uh, Ferrimbo Macedonia, yeah, that, I mean, they were, you know, good games um, and it was, um, it was well followed by the, um, the soccer public. Um, I remember most of them. Um, but the biggest one was when um, we, the winner got, got, get, gets promotion and that was, um, I think it was, um, could have been 84? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, 84. Um, fortunately, we very much won 1 0. I think it was a Tony Charnock goal yeah. that, um, that um, sealed the result. But um, next thing you know, we're in the state league. Wow. And that, you know, that's something that um, you know, I was striving for for three or four years. Yeah, so it was good to see it happen, come to fruition. And what about the, uh, the big crowds? Because you'd, you'd grown up going to South Coast United and Safeway mm. and, and seeing seen some big big crowds there at the old balls paddock but now uh amongst it you know there's two three four thousand at some of these local derbies uh how was it for you to be playing in front of those sort of yeah, i enjoyed it I, I enjoyed it it was a bit of a yeah at the end of the day you you really a, you, it's a bit of a theater isn't it you go out there and you play and you entertain um but um the derbies were they're all, always special um you know haven't played in the any of the big sort of derbies of uh, world football, but um, it was still exciting. Um, I remember we won one nil once down at um, down at Berkeley, and um, the Macedonians were like going off their um, off their heads. And I remember coming out, and um, they just mobbed you. And so you go in for a shower, and you take your socks off, and your shirts off, and your pants off, and there's like twenty dollar notes hanging off me, you know, like because <laughs> I scored the winner. Yeah, unfortunately, it didn't happen every week. <laughs> But in saying that, um, it must uh, when you look back on it, it must be uh, uh, although you know we're going to talk about that you played in the NSL and did and cl- clearly succeeded there personally and with the club with the Wollongong Wolves. But it must have been a, a huge buzz to to be a part of that sort of Illawarra football when you know crowds get, went to games and there was two big clubs in the region. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see it any any. Um, I didn't seen any other way I just I mean, you go out and play you, you probably don't even hear the crowd but um, there was some good crowds and I want the one at Plunus Oval I think there was probably closer to 4,000 there yeah. uh, you couldn't see a blade of grass either side of the hills and um, behind the uh, the goals on either side so that was a, a great sort of uh, afternoon of football and at Herb Clunas there um, what was that like for you because I guess the size of the grounds a lot smaller than most yep. and it's fairly compact so I guess 
your technique is really exposed there and, and how you play. How did you find it as a player? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit tiny in the ground. I mean, um, a, you know, a goalkeeper could probably just about bounce it on the 18-yard box at the other end. Yeah. Um, so you just at the time, you just adjusted. Um, yep. So your timing, your crosses, are a bit, I mean, it was easy to cross a ball from either side um, with a bit of pace. Um, obviously, if, you know, it's a bit wider and longer. Um, you've got more room to make runs into, um, which, you know, you can draw your defence out. But uh, it was it, it was always, uh, you never saw, you know, six-all draws or five-all draws at uh, Plernus. <laughs> you know, it was, um, it was a tiny, tiny little ground, but it was, um, you know, it's just football, you just adjusted. And what about um, some of your state state league opponents, whether it be individual players or other clubs? Did you, because you were travelling some, you know, at sometimes Bathurst and Karingai mm-hmm. and, and different yep. clubs like that, were there places or, or clubs or players that you just couldn't couldn't do well at? Yeah, um, we always struggle against Bonnie Rig. We struggled at Bathurst. Um, away games, you know, so it was a fairly you know, long trek to Bathurst. Uh, Mike Johnson, she used to, he used to always, um, we used to go the night before, stay overnight, um, you know, have, have uh, breakfast together, make sure we get our carbs and um, and we go out and play. But it was um, it's just the time, of, the timing of it all, you know, the trip up, sleeping over, it was just daunting. <laughs> so there was places where... Um, yeah, I didn't like to go. I didn't like to go to Karingai. Karingai was a nightmare of a place to play football. It was a hard sort of cricket pitch in the middle. You know, Gladesville, uh, another place, uh, Tarmond. Yeah, there's a number of them, really. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it was fun. I enjoyed the weekends were all football, really. Yeah. So, 84, you're talking about uh, both clubs, Macedonia and Ferry Meadow, were challenging to get into that top tier of state league. and. Mm-hmm. And it came down to that last game. Um, was there a sense, uh, although you would have seen it around the club, um, at Ferry Meadow of, of achievement, and for you personally, that you'd been striving for this for since you went to state league to sort of get to that next level? Was that? Yeah, a- well, absolutely. It was, it was a good year. It was, um, well, I think it was September '84, and I, I think I remember, if I remember rightly, I just bought a house in Winuna. We just got married. You've been married for about twelve months, but. Um, and then I had my son was born early September. Actually, he was born uh, on the Thursday prior to that game. Oh, really? So I had a bit of a bit of a problem trying to get away from the hospital because Mike wanted me to go to training, and I said, "Look, I've just had a baby." <laughs> and he said, oh, I "Well, I don't care what you've had. You've got to come down here. We're, we're, we're having our last session tonight for uh, we've got the big game on the weekend." So I said to my wife, "Listen, I know I've got to go. I've got to go training." And she basically yeah, said, "Go." I said, um, "Yeah, so I had to." After training, went back up to the hospital. But um, so you know, bought a house, we we have a baby, and then we get promotion. So you know, it was a hat trick. It's a good year. And I, I think that was uh, at that point in time touted as Mike's last game as well. Yes. So uh, there was a lot of, uh, and as you said personally as well, there's a lot of things there. So uh, is that something that came naturally to you to just compartmentalise different things and then just go? I'm here, I'm training, and then when I play, I play. Absolutely, yeah. I think, look, you, you know, you, you're given instructions, you go out and you play. You know? And I was a great believer of, you know, different coaches wanted you to play a little bit different. Um, but, you know, the sign of a, a player that could play is, you know, adjusting to what the coach wants. Yep. So, you know, whether it's uh, dropping short, collecting it and laying it off, whether it's to make runs near a farm, that's all I want you to do. Whether it's to, you know, meet crosses, and that's all I want you to do. 
he just did it, and that's and that's the sign of uh, I guess a good coach can get the best out of his his players, and I think that's what Mike Johnson did. Yeah. Do you think? Because um, I've talked to a couple of players, and I don't need to know amounts, but uh, am I right to say, apart from maybe the star players, that you could have probably earned more in, at some Premier League clubs than, than what you were doing in State League. Um, and that in a sense, you were, I guess, sacrificing um, by playing up a level. Yeah, look, money was never really a driver for me. I, you know, especially at that age, I, you know, money was never a driver. It was just yeah. I wanted to play the best football uh, at the highest level. And I, I saw every opportunity and I took it. I took every opportunity and I grew slowly. So it wasn't a matter of, you know, going from, you know, being 18, 19 straight to first grade. It, you know, it basically was a stepping stone, whether it was Ferry Meadow, and then Macedonia, and within the Federation, and in the First Division, and then get promotion, and then, you know, State League. It was like a stepping stone, really. It sort of worked pretty well for me. So money was never a driver in my eyes. Because you did spend a lot of time, like Mike was pretty uh, full on about training. And, and preparation. Do you mm. think it helped, you know, having the likes of your brother, the Satins, and and all these other guys that you got on well with at both clubs, in a sense that you had a sort of a friendship group within a team that mm. helped you sort of do the harder yards in terms of training and travelling. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. I, th- I think um, playing with Harry and Ronnie and my brother and uh, Dean Gardner and. And the rest of the lads, you know, it was um, it was a bit of a family affair, and um, the club treated you like a family. Um, we um, they they embraced us, and we um, we enjoyed the football. And again, um, the harder you train, the you know, the, the luckier you get, as they say. So you know, putting the effort in at, at training, a bit like horse racing. And Gay Waterhouse used to say, you know, you got to work your you got to work your horses during the week, uh, then they'll go okay on the weekend. Okay. So. You come into 85, did you think um, before John Fleming was, was finally appointed, did you think there was a chance that Mike might not finish and he might stay and take, take his up to that next level? No, I think he said, I think he, said he's, he had his mindset on, on leaving and uh, his job was done. Yep. Um, I think um, Mike was a... Um, he, he, built, he tried to build and get, get promotion and he got us that. And I think he was going through some personal issues... Um, at the time, and then you know, we heard that John Fleming had left the walls, and he was um, he was given the task of coaching um, and managing Ferry Meadow in '85. And what were your first impressions of John? Because obviously, you might have seen seen some Wolves games, and maybe watched him play. And he's not long out of the the playing caper, and and now he's a coach. What were your first impressions? Well, he was uh, my first impressions were he was just one of the boys. He was one of the lads, and. He's a good communicator. Um, he's a good organizer. Um, he, you um, you listen to what he had to say. Um, I think he was a um, he was one of the coaches that I respect a lot as well because you could talk to to, to John uh, on a different level rather than um, Mike Johnson. I mean, I couldn't have a half hour <laughs> conversation with Mike. Um, John was a bit different, but he you know again he had his structure. He had his players. He played to and we played to our strengths and. Um, it was easy for players to adapt under John Fleming. Um, although we had a pretty good side, um, I think Mick Richo was still playing there, and yeah. um, Mickey White, Stevie Baker, myself, uh, Phil Mowbray. Um, so we had a hell of a 
hell of a sort of squad. Uh, Ricky Pearl was there. Um, who else was there? Okay. Uh, I think Richard Piak was still there okay. at the time. But um, so and we had Jock a pretty Jock Melando, well. uh, Warwick Young, yeah. uh, Glenn Fontana. Yeah, they were all. Um, so it was a pretty good, pretty good side. Because the season, um, uh, I spoke to Walter Chishkan um, only recently, and um, he had a lot of. Uh, uh, his son John had digitised a lot of Win TV footage, and, and it looked like at a lot of that time there was a lot of news stories about Ferry Meadow in particular. Mm. You know, he's hit the the top tier of state league uh, red hot. He's were running well and yeah. on top of the table for most of the year. So, did that surprise you guys as a playing group, or did you think, well, we're playing well, we're working hard, it is what it is. Didn't surprise me. I, I knew we were, uh, we were highly competitive. Um, there probably a couple of games where we struggled a little bit. Um, I think it was, you know, maybe we fell a little bit behind. But um, you know, we were beating, we were beating the Blacktowns and the Bleeders and the, and you know, convincingly as well. You know, like three one or you know three nil. And yep. so we had it. I remember there was a couple of we played at Memorial Park, I think, and there was yeah. a couple of games there against um, Melita. And uh, I was playing up front with uh, Glenn Fontana. Um, but um, and Canterbury, I think we um, I think we done very very well, and it didn't surprise me that we did do well. Um, but uh, we sort of fell behind towards the end. I don't know what it was. Um, we should have um, finished it off, but we never did. And and there's always that sort of uh, what if, and, and maybe you're not a what if guy. But um, when I spoke to Frank Saladino and. Um, and Walter, you know, there was talk of the NSL. Mm. Um, and I think even Walter had said that as a playing group, um, although the money wasn't there, that you guys were as a group willing to not get paid too much, if at all, to have a crack at the NSL. Was that was that something that you thought you'd do as well? Well, I mean, we never did. But, yeah. you know, the, 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 the writing was on the wall. We, we had the opportunity... Um, and I think if we would have won that state league that year, there would have been an opportunity for us. Um, well, again, we take you know it's another stepping stone, isn't it? Yeah. Um, in hindsight, I wish we did win, and we did go up. So that would have been fantastic for Ferry Meadow. It yeah. would have been a hell of a ride from the Illawarra Second Division up to uh, the NSL in you know not a lot of well I know they started early in the sixties, but it would have been a hell of a ride. Yeah, from Church League to to the NSL and. Yeah, it's a shame that the club's still not around. But like you said, um, your dad took you to games and that was your first sort of senior football that you watched before South Coast and Safeway. You had the family connection there with Dark Angelo. So did it mean a little bit more for you, the success there as well? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the good thing about what I did is I, I was there, I left and I came back. Yeah. And I ended up, we ended up finishing the job. And I think, um, although back back when I was there, I mean... I didn't know what the job was, but I knew Ferrymeadow wanted to be successful and I knew they wanted to get promoted. They knew they wanted to play at a higher level and they strove for that. And um, you know, guys like Walter and um, Frank Saladino and um, Ian Macon and a lot of the committee guys worked their butts off over a lot of years uh, and they loved the club, you know. And, and we felt it, as players felt it. Yeah. Um, you can go back to all the, the older Ferrymeadow boys, they felt the same way. Um, they were a good club. Um, they never reneged on anything. 
Um, and yeah, even when I went to the Wolves from Ferry Meadow, yep. um, I went on a freebie. Yeah, so how did that come about? Um, uh, was it John calling you or uh, John ended up in, in the start of the 86 season of getting the role there? Um, yeah. uh, was it a matter of him then giving you a phone call and saying, getting on the blower and saying, Rob, uh, I want you to come along and play for the Wolves or, or what happened there? Well, I, th- I think he saw myself, Jock, Warwick as the big three players at Ferry Meadow um, and... Uh, well, he gave again. He gave us an opportunity, and you know, again, I'm climbing that ladder of opportunity. So, yeah, yeah here I go, and you know, I was stoked. Um, I can't exactly remember how it transpired, but I remember getting a call saying, um, "I want you here," um, which was, you know, it was I wasn't going to say no. No, it was a yes. It's a big yes for me. Because uh, <laughs> you said when they first came along in '81, Ken Morton wanted you, but there was a transfer fee issue. So, yes, it, it's funny how football works that it took. You know, five years, but as well as that, like you said, your Ferry Meadow were gracious enough to give you a free transfer because mm. I guess that transition from John and, and a few players that went across it, it hurt them as a club. Did Was that in part of your decision making as well? No, I just saw it as an opportunity for me to, to yep. um, you know, to get to that next level, to get to the NSL level, which I've always wanted to strive to do. And yep. I unfortunately didn't have the opportunity because of that transfer issues. Um, but then I think it also, you know, the, the stint that I had at Ferry Meadow kept me in good stead. I mean, I'm 25, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm probably at my peak yep. fitness-wise and mentally, you know, I was ready for it. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where I think you feel comfortable. And what was that sort of first season like in the NSL? Because uh, regardless of what people think of the A-League versus the NSL, it was the the top competition mm. it had the best players uh how did you find it well it was um again it was i wasn't overawed i mean i knew you know we we're playing sydney sydney cities and we we're playing the the big dogs um and um yeah, again we went out there with the game plan um john recruited quite well in 86 we had um you know reg chilby came back i think he played at the back with us i think ray valestra was there um, Warwick was in goals. We had a couple of um, South Americans that came out in um, Sol Rivero yeah. and Leon Icosa. Sol's just passed away, I hear. Yeah, yeah not long ago. So yeah, sad. It's very sad. But so um, look, we had a, a pretty good. Well, I had a pretty good introduction to the NSL uh, in that year. But um, unfortunately. Um, the powers that be at the soccer headquarters. They, um, I think it was Mike Hill report. They decided to um, chop so many teams and um, make a northern and a conference, southern yeah. conference, um, and then the you know the top two meet for the grand final. And we were unfortunately, from a criteria point of view, whether it was bums on seats, whether it was financial, whether it was you know where you finished on the table a year from the previous four or five years, whatever it was, we were we're on the outer. <laughs> so. I think we finished somewhere around sixth or seventh. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Mid-table, yeah. Bit mid-table, but um, but I, enjoy, I thoroughly enjoyed that season. I think I was the leading goal scorer, and I got um, Player of the Year that year. So um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. But having said that, we're back in we're back in the state league <laughs> in '87. You know, could you believe it though? Like you had that chance in '81, couldn't happen, and then you finally get that chance, and yeah. then through out of nothing that you've done, nothing John's done, nothing that the club's done. Uh, it then happened that okay we're out and mm. 
I spoke to Rady Stefanovsky as well and, and John. Uh, everyone was pretty upset by it. Were you as well? Absolutely. Absolutely upset, yeah. I mean, it took me a while to, to actually like regroup and you know, look forward to 1987. But uh, again, you know, we, we knew what we had to do. We had to win the comp. We had to win the comp. We had to win the league to get back up. Um, and in my eyes at the time, I'm thinking, what a daunting task we've got ahead of us because that league was a pretty strong league, um, even at state league level. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, we had to um, we had to win the competition to um, get promotion back in '88. So '87, you're, you're back in state league, and there was I think it, was, it could have been Canberra and Bankstown or. Or Blacktown or so on, they were really fighting it out with you guys. It's different to, I guess, uh, with Macedonia or Ferry Meadow, where okay, we want to do it. This time, the club knew to get back to the NSL, mm. we've got to do it, and we there's do. only it's first or nothing. So absolutely, uh, it takes a, a, I guess a, a playing group and committee and and John as the coach to really sort of knuckle down and eat up the pressure so was that just I guess lucky that you had a group of players that could do that or well I wouldn't call it luck I think uh, you make your own luck but um, again um, the success we had in, well we didn't have uh, as uh, coming into the league in, in 86 we had a core group uh, some players had left um, I think Greeny went back to St George or, or Peter Cotamanides went to Sydney Olympic so we, you know, we then bought a couple of more players in: Randall Eastorp, Dave Batten. Um, I think Willie Murray might have yeah. come into the side at the time. Uh, we still had Mike Hollifield, still had Warwick, still had Jock, still had myself, Skeeny, um, Jeff Ainsworth, uh, our captain. Um, so we had a we had a pretty competitive squad. <laughs> I knew we were do okay, or whether we were going to win it or not. Well, that all remained to be seen, but. Um, the, the fight we did have was to get, was with Blacktown and Canberra, that's right. Blacktown had Casey De Bruin was coaching them at the time. Um, and Canberra, um, was, I don't know, it was Ray Junior and that played there, Steve Bryant. Did it help um, for you that you'd had sort of some pressure seasons there? Like you had the 85 season where uh, you were up top mm -hmm. and then sort of like you said, you faltered in the last few rounds. Uh, coming into the, the latter part, because it did come to the last one or two rounds to win it in 87, did you sort of, having that experience helped you personally to sort of then play your best football and, and see out the season and get promotion? Yeah, no, we had, um, <clears throat> well, Rand, me and Randall actually, we probably top scored, I think we had like 18, maybe 18 goals each, at this, yep. sort of, you know, with three or four rounds to go. So, well, you know, we're probably the best strikers, or combination of strikers in the, in the whole competition. Um, and, um, yeah, there was one game in Canberra, and I think John mentioned this last time, where um, I was um, made, made a run, and this big Jason Dunn from, uh, played centre-back at Canberra. Um, he, he put his knee straight up my backside. Just massive big cork, it was. Anyway, behind the scenes, wouldn't have been about two or three minutes later, I... I've, got, I've done the same to him, knocked him back. And um, the linesman from the far side saw it and it was straight red. So I'm in the stands. I'm, you know, it would have been five minutes into the game. I'm in the stands and I'm going, oh, what have I done here? I said, we lose this game against Canberra. <laughs> oh, you know, we're getting in the second spot. It was, it was, it was, it was that close. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, I apologised to John and he didn't want to talk to me at the time. But <laughs> I was sitting in the stands and um, believe it or not, 
uh, I think it was a Pat Brodnick screamer from about 35 yards out. We ended up winning 1-0 with, <laughs> with 10 men. Uh, and my, my God, was I, uh, was I stoked coming home? Although I got sent off, I was just that 1-0 victory. That probably got us the promotion. There's been a lot of chat about you and Randall. Mm-hmm. Um, he came into the squad that year. Mm-hmm. So how do you strike up a, a combination so quickly with a bloke? Because it, well, well, it's I think not easy. He played at a pretty good level as well in Sydney. So um, the fact that he came down here and he was he was a striker, it was, it was basically John just said, well, this is what I want you to do. We're playing a 4-4-2 system. Yep. You two guys are up front. This is what I want you to do. And, this is, and we... we we actually, uh, well, we formed a pretty good partnership, I think, um, over that year, um, if I remember rightly. Yeah, and we scored a few goals as well, like a few hat-tricks there too. But, um, yeah, he was, um, he was just a strong on the ball, um, you know, probably skill level, probably about the same level as mine, but just the runs we made, the right runs. And, um, you know, we had guys like Radia Stefanoski, who was cross, you know, a good crosser of the ball, Mike Holofield, good crosser of the ball. Um, yeah, we put the ball in the right places and finish them off. And so what was it like, uh, uh, the feeling amongst yourselves, John and, and the club, when you did get promotion? Mm. Was, it, was it sort of relief in some, some respects that you knew the job that you had to do from day one in pre-season and then you, you finally did it? Absolutely. Well, I think it was relief um, the club, from a club point of view and um, Wollongong Wolves point of view. It was probably a relief. The players, um, again, you go out there, you got to win, don't you? Um, and I think well, winning for me, you don't play to lose and you don't play to go out and have a draw. Um, so winners are grinners at the end. And we did the job. Um, and um, through John's, you know, the way he coached us and the way he, um, you know, he advised us and put us all on the park with the instructions that he gives us, we, well, we done well. And 88, um, like I said, I don't think, um, and maybe I'm a bit biased, but I don't think there's been two seasons like that at, at the top level in, no. in Australia whereby there's pressure on you to win if you want to get back into the NSL. And then 88, um, I'm a league championship man and, and you've mm. won the league. So what can you talk us through a bit of the 88 season and what that was like for you and how you saw it? Well, the way I saw it, I mean, it was excitement plus going into it because um, we knew we were back in. And um, at the time, um, Harry Michaels had become involved with the club through Laurie Kelly's um, push, I think. Um, and he was looking at getting a couple of um, um, guest players over the year. Yep. And he was mentioning guys, you know, mentioned four or five different names, but Alan Brazil was one of them. And... Um, the other one was a guy called, um, I think it was Keyes, I can't remember his first name, Paul, Paul Keyes, uh, Trevor Francis, yep. and Paul Mariner was, yep. the, was the other one. Uh, and, I, and I'm thinking, well, geez, I'll tell you what, these guys, these guys are coming here. I mean, I was like going, wow. I followed it switch town and, you know, <laughs> in the early 80s and late 70s and these guys were part of, you know, a UEFA Cup victory and yeah. played in FA Cup finals and I couldn't believe that uh, Alan Brazil was coming to to Wollongong I could not believe it but um, he did he came um, and what a player um, great lad you know good with the boys you know he'd, he'd mingle mingle in have a beer play pool and he'd train just like the rest of us um, yeah so that was a the first two or three months of that year we um, 
we done okay, although I think it was the first game, I think Croatia, we beat for Croatia 4-1 at Brandon Park. And um, I don't think Alan was here then. He, 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 I think he'd gone and come back. Um, and I just had an injury and I just came back for that game. And then Paul Mariner turned up and I think the week after that we went down to Footscray and I was on the bench um, in Footscray and we, I think we won, won that game as well. And then we had a, Marconi, a game against Marconi at Brandon Park. I think it was about the 8th of March. And that's when I broke my leg, yeah, against um, Tony Henderson. So another sort of um, downer for me because uh, I was really looking forward to that year. Uh, it would have been lovely being part of um, a team. Well, I was part of the team. Yeah. But unfortunately, didn't finish off the season with it. But um, I went to every game and um, it was, um, yeah, a marvellous um, season where we um, ended up winning the comp, yeah. Well, I, I still see you as part of it, but how do you reconcile it? Like, through no fault of your own, a serious injury happens mm. and then you're not on the field, but you still, early part of the season, contributed. Yeah, I did, yeah. Um, do you see it that way yourself? Yeah, I, although, like I said, uh, it was unfortunate. Um, I would have loved to have been part of, you know, playing with Alan and Paul yep. Mariner and um, and playing the rest, playing that season out. Um, yeah, things could have been, you know, if I was playing, maybe things had changed, I don't know. But <laughs> well, certainly the strong would, the, the squad would have been stronger. Um, and, and John, you know, whether rotate players or whatever he would have done, he would have been in better hands if he had, had me for the rest of the year. But... In the end, uh, I think we had to draw against Sydney United the last game yeah. of the season. So the last game of the season, you were talking about the... Uh, it came down to that last game against Sydney, Croatia. We needed the draw, um, you know, best or win. Um, and then we had to wait for a result. Yeah. Um, and the result was, um, well, went for us, so... And you were there, and, and what I was, was there. it like? I was there, yeah, it was a jubilation, actually, uh, in the dressing shed. And then back to the fraternity club. Um, yeah, sensational feeling. Yeah, it was great. And, and is that how you see it? I, I know that's how I see it, but you won the league. You were the best team home and away um, all year, um, regardless of the grand final. And, and John's spoken about how uh, the politics of Sydney football meant that you couldn't play at home in the semi-final series. But is, is that how you and the rest of the players see it, that... We were the best that year, home and away, and that's a brilliant achievement. Yep, and that's why I saw it as well. And I know we didn't get a game down here, but um, yeah, and there's a you know there was probably unfortunate at, uh, at Marconi where I think um, we got beat up there, um, and I think it was against Marconi. Um, could have been one nil. When Marshall Saper ended up, he was he was playing for us up front at the point at that point in time. But look. It was what it was, and um, I think the players, it didn't have mattered where we played. Um, yep. Players go out and play. And, yep. um, I know the, um, the public would have been, you know, well, obviously disappointed in the club, but um, from a playing point of view, I don't think it matters where you play. You go out there and you give it your best. When you're in the NSL like that and you've got sort of two achievements to sort of, or two trophies to win, the, the league championship and then the grand final, is, is that how you guys then then see it is that there's two trophies on offer rather than just the grand final is the only trophy that we want? Yeah, well, I think the grand final was really the, um, you know, it's Australian, it's Australian football, uh, yep. whether it's rugby league, whether it's um, football. Now, the grand final winners are really the crown, the, the, yeah, but 
you know, you could say, well, okay, we're well, first past the post, but uh, unfortunately in Australia, um, the people, you know, the recognition come from winning the grand final. Yeah. And we didn't do that. Ah, well, hopefully, uh, one by one, you know, I've interviewed quite a few of you guys from 88. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, I think most people in the Illawarra see it a bit differently. So we can, uh, we can have our point of view. Uh, 89, um, I guess you, you had 11 games there. Um, you come back from injury. You mm -hmm. had John there as coach for a period of time and then Doug Collins. So um, talk us through that year for you. Yeah, uh, well, it was, a, it was probably uh, a year where we could have done better than what we did. Um, but we had a number of injuries and um, I probably wasn't uh, as fit as I was the year before, or the start of the year before, because I broke my leg. But yeah. coming back from a broken leg, um, there's always a little bit of doubt with your, your speed and your, the way you move. So I was a little bit tentative coming into the competition that year. But having said that, um, I felt as if I was growing and um, improving every game. I think uh, I think the club bought a couple of um, South Americans over and tried to strengthen the squad um, to give John a bit more uh, ammunition at the time. And I think we got into round, I don't know whether it was around 11 or 12. Um, uh, I came to trade one night and um, heard the news they've, uh, that John got, John got um, flicked. Um, and they've appointed yeah, Doug Collins, who I believe was at Sydney Olympic previously um, but anyway so he came he came in and um, took over and um, I was a little bit uncomfortable with uh, the way he treated the players and you know you know he came in with you know I'm the new coach you do as I say blah 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 was say okay I mean that's just got to do with but we were going to Adelaide that weekend and I said to him um, he picked the side and um, he's picked the first 11 and he's picked the substitutes and I was, on, I was on the touring party I was on the bench and I'm thinking well I can ask you a question Doug um, we got beat 4-1 by South Melbourne last week and yep. I know you weren't here I said uh, who picked the side this weekend was it the committee or he said well Rob it's like this he said um, that's the team he said you're on the plane um, if you don't like it you can have a shower and you can go home and I said well you didn't answer my question for starters yeah. so I might just have a shower and go home you know I'm happy to do that because at the time I, probably a silly move by me but at the time I felt first of all this uh, wasn't real happy that um, the way that John went and secondly um, you know I deserved an opportunity if I was the starting sort of striker at the time um, you know play me see how yeah. I go and then it makes them you know make take me off at half time if I'm not doing well but um, I felt a little bit um, yeah I felt a little bit sort of aback taken aback when um, when I was named on the bench but anyway, that's, that's football and that's the way I felt at the time. And I left. Yeah, just like that. Mid-season. There was no... Um, did you regret that later on? Or you thought, no, nah, this is who I am as a person. I asked a question, it wasn't really answered. And um, based on John going, 4-1 loss the week before, I think I, I, I feel I'm right with what I've done. Yeah, exactly. Paul Kembler had sacked their coach. Right. At the time, a guy called Cole Owens. And um, they offered the job to John Fleming because he'd left the Wolves. <laughs> and John was, uh, I, I think he was in a, uh, I guess he was, I know he was working and he just didn't feel like getting back into it at the time. Yeah. He said, no, but I know a guy that you could, um, you could ask. 
his name's Robert Giraldi, he's <laughs> just left the walls as well. <laughs> so I get a phone call from um, the president of Port Kembla and uh, Emilio Salucci and they got me down there and I ended up playing there. I signed for two years as a player coach, 89 and 90. Yeah, and I was, I was happy with that. So did you have any uh, intentions of coaching? You obviously still wanted to play and were player coach, but did you think, okay, it's, it's an opportunity here? Uh, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it, but I'll just take it and see where it leads. Absolutely. Well, again, um, another opportunity. I mean, I was 28, so it wasn't as if I was over the hill. Yep. I still felt I could um, contribute to football at the Wolves, um, but circumstances um, weren't there. For me. I wasn't happy there, the way uh, the way that I left. So I took this job on, and um, I enjoyed it. I embraced it, and um, yeah, I started to get my um, you know my coaching um, licenses and. I did a bit of a bit of had a good year there. We ended up saving ourselves out of relegation, and then yeah. we had uh, 1990 was a. I think we were like eight points clear at the halfway mark, and yeah. we lost about four or five players that went to Italia 1990 World Cup. <laughs> and I don't think we made the I don't think we made the the top five in the end. Yeah, but that was a, it was it was enjoyable times at Port Kembla. And how did you uh, go as a coach? What did you think of coaching at the time, playing coaching as well? Yeah, it was difficult. Uh, I remember, um, you know, you know, trying to get the, you know, trying to get the, t- the team on paper and then preparing training and then, you know, um, while you're on the field, you're trying to give orders and bark orders. It's uh, it was a difficult task, but I think I adapted. Um, and I, we had a pretty good side. You know, we had guys like Barry Robinson, Mark Sweeney. I brought uh, Dominic Cario across. Yep. The, the Albert Albert and um, Frank Chochi were there. Uh, we had Sonny Despotoski, and we even got Ruddy over the, in the 1990 <laughs> season, so he was playing with us as well. So I played up front with Barry Robinson, so we had a pretty good side. Ian Bradburn was in the middle of the park. Poposki, uh, Alex Poposki was, was in the team. Uh, a guy by the name of um, Carragher played right-hand side. Yeah, so we had a pretty pretty stable sort of side. Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed um, the challenge of uh, coaching, player coaching. And uh, Paul Kemble are a great club as well. Absolutely, yeah, very good, and they still are today. I'm assuming, based on that you then uh, had a, a short stint there with Wollongong Macedonia in the NSL, that, that you sort of still itched to play in the top tier, and, and, and is that what made you make the move in that 90-91 NSL season and play at Macedonia there for a period of time? Yeah, well, again, this is, again, I get John coming back and saying, you know, like, yep, you, you, you haven't finished your work, um, here's another opportunity. Yeah. And again, I embraced it and took it. Um, but in the end, uh, it, was a, it's a, it was a strange couple of years between 88 <laughs> and 1991. But um, John ended up getting um, getting the flick, I think, 10 games in. Yep. Um, and Casey DeBruin came in, who was an ex-Blacktown coach, yep. a local coach, you know, well, well thought of and um, quite an astute coach. Um, and Casey was um, a coach in Macedonia back then, but... He had his own um, his own troops. He brought his own players in, and um, uh, in the end, I think I trained a couple of nights. So I wasn't real happy, and I think he saw that and said, "I oh, look happy for you to to uh, move on, Bob." And I said, "No, it's not a problem, Casey. Thanks very much." So as long as you're giving me sign on fee, I'm happy to go. <laughs> giving me check, I had a shower, and I walked out. <laughs> so I think I played. I think I probably played two or three games. I can't even remember. Um, I think we played a game in Preston, Macedonia, down at uh, Preston. Um, 
and then uh, I might have been on the bench for him against the Wolves at Brandon Park. <laughs> yeah, so that was and that was a strange feeling as well at the time. But anyway, that's the way that's the way it happened. And then I think um, Noddy rang me. Noddy Olsen rang me. He was at Rangers, come on Rangers, and said they have they got their centennial year, yeah. hundred years, nineteen ninety one. And uh, a couple of friends of mine were playing there. Uh, Brian Condren was there, and Dougie Seymour, and I think Billy Glancy was was only a young bloke then, but playing, and um, Mickey Dent, who's now on the committee there at uh, uh, where well, we all are, me, Dougie, yeah. Mickey Dent, Billy, Billy Glancy, we're all at Tarawater <laughs> at the moment. So, yeah, and that's what, um, so that's where I went. So, did you, do you think it was a sort of unconscious decision to say, well? Okay, that's my time in the NSL. Yeah. Or, or a year or two after that, did you think, did you have a sort of inkling or in your early 30s, you still could have done it possibly, but did you think, nah, I've yeah. had my time, I'm happy with what I've achieved? I had a young family at the time and I was working at Blue Scope and, um, you know, I think just sit, sitting back, training twice a week, playing locally, yep. uh, it, suited, it suited my um, my lifestyle at the time, yeah. And what about, um, you had two years there, 91, 92 under Adrian Alston and Noddy. So, yep. uh, you know, we spoke about him early in the interview and, and you're a fan of him and, and watched him then. And he came to St. Joey's as well. Um, mm. What was it like sort of playing under him? Well, again, um, he, was the same, he was the same guy. Noddy was Noddy's Noddy. And uh, the good thing about him is he's, uh, he's pretty easily, easy, um, speaks well. Um, he gets the respect. And players listen to him. Uh, I enjoyed. I enjoyed the two years I had with him there. It was great. Um, you know, get up a beer and a joke, and it's, the intensity wasn't there. I mean, he wasn't coaching the Wolves, or he wasn't, you know, safe way. It was it was local football, and that's yep. the way we treated it. And um, but we still had um, everyone had respect for money. And and yourself, uh, like you said, you were quite comfortable and still contributing as a as a player in first grade in Premier League. So you're enjoying that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, Again, you just played it, you know, as a player, you just go and play. Yep. Um, and, you know, the social side comes into play a bit more now. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, the girls who get together, we go out and have dinner and we start to meet a few more people. So, uh, so uh, socially, it was a bit more of a, um, well, you know, the intensity wasn't there like the NSL or State League, yep. where the wives didn't, you know, always have come around to all the games. But, you know, yeah. you do play locally and you, you get into a bit of a, uh, you know, friendship sort of scenario with, with people and um, you create friends. And that's what football's all about. Do you think part of your thought, geez, after sort of a decade of of whether it be travelling to Sydney in the State League for several years and then the NSL for two or three years, going into state and whatnot, did part of you go and, like you said, a young family, you thought, well, this is a happy medium that I can still play, play yeah. football and have a bit more of a life? Yeah, correct. Like I said, it was uh, I was working at Blue Scope. Um, I had a pretty good job down there, so... It was local, <clears throat> playing local football at the time. I think it was, um, you know, it suited my lifestyle. Ninety-three, you you went to Russellvale um, under Rick Fox. Um, what brought about that change? Well, to be honest, I can't remember why the hell I did that. Um, I think Coromel. Don't know whether were Coromel still playing at the time or. Yeah, I think they were. I think um, the intent was for Coromel and Russellvale to merge. Yeah, they did and the there following was, There year. was talk about that, and then I thought, okay, well, Rick Fox and um, Glenn Keaton was um, was his father-in-law's coach, Rick Fox. Um, so he went there, and um, 
I think there was um, Mike Hollifield, Billy Glancy, yeah. Jason Winning, myself. Yeah, I, I, look, it was, it was, I remember the year. I don't think we went very well. Um, I don't know where we finished. We probably probably mid-table or something yeah. like that. But uh, And then it was a bit of a... Uh, you know, I think the Northern United was established. Yeah, '94. Yeah, '94, and then so we uh, that was that. And that was a the merger of Caramel Rangers and Russellvale. Yeah, Northern and United. I think you had um, uh, Jerry Walker as coach in '94, and then you had um, Steve Hammersley in 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 '95 and and '96. So mm-hmm. was that just a matter of you happy to play local? Correct. Yeah. See how you went in this. In this local sort of merged entity and and playing the IPL, yeah, I think I think it was um, you know I was a I was a Caramel boy. I lived in Caramel. Um, Northern United was um, a club that you know I knew a lot of the guys there. Um, we formed some great friendships, so I was happy to stay stay put, work locally, and play locally. Yeah, and then um, although we'll talk about it in a couple of minutes that you. Last few years of being at Tarawana as a committee person, you did have a year there in in '97, um, your last year of playing where you yep. you played with the Blueies there in the in the second tier. So was it? I'm assuming it was Ian Serson. Ian was the coach. Was yeah, the coach I, I, and I, that's what brought you to the club. Yep, yeah, I think I just had a ended. Yeah, I was going. I was heading off to France and the World Cup in uh, in '98. Yep. So I thought, well, I was going to go to England and Italy and. Um, so that's what we did. I ended up playing one year with Ian. Um, don't remember too much of that year, really. Um, I think I've, I met a number of, you know, obviously the Sweeney boys were up there, and um, I think Kido might have been might have been there as well. I'm not sure. Uh, but Paul Zudewick, I think, played up front with us. Um, yeah. Uh, you bore by the name of Davies. Um, Derek, I think it was name was. But yeah, they had a pretty good side. I mean, Tarawana have always been... Um, Always been a competitive team. Yeah. Uh, they always do. They, they never sort of they go out. They go go out fighting. Um, I think that's um, that's their motto really. But we can't compete with the big boys, and pay the big money. Although you might not want to talk about it too much, did you do you get an opportunity to to coach your children and and um, they obviously had a, a love of the game as well. But did did you get a chance to do that and did you enjoy it? Uh, not so much. I had uh, my brother-in-law and uh, some um, close friends of mine actually coach the kids um, at Coromel, um, yeah. Desi and Pete and, and Maxie. But they all did they all did pretty well. They'd probably um, Des Des done a lot better than what I thought he would do. But he's uh, he ended up going over to Empoli and spent a bit of time over there. And he was in the system at the AIS. But no, I haven't. I didn't coach him. I'd but always give him some advice yeah. uh, if he uh, wanted it and he'd ask me. Um, but I was, a, you know, I was a, always a critic. Dads are critics, aren't they? You know, yeah. they, you know, you didn't play that that good today. You know, you should have done this, should have done that. And he goes, oh, you know, what would you know, Dad? You know, like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, no, I, I, look, football was part of my life and part of my kids' life, and that's why you know they grew up with it. But, um, but both Max and um, and uh, Desi played at the Wolves, and I think we're the first father-son combination to actually play for the Wolves. Des yeah. and there's one that comp in 80, 2008 with, um, I think it was Turner. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, so, no, I didn't do a lot of coaching with the kids. I mean, some personal sort of stuff. Uh, but, no, I didn't, um, I wasn't a great fan of being a, 
a youth team coach. I didn't want to listen to all the mums and dads go off. <laughs> and, and what about um, Desi? He then went to Italy. From a, a par- parent's perspective, mm. how, how difficult is that? Um, I guess you might have had an introduction with her with the AIS and, mm. and being away from the family. And I guess elite sport, not just in football, but other elite sports can be like that. But to then to go to another country um, as a young person, uh, what did you guys as parents feel about that? Well, I think uh, I think I put it on the table before he left, and um, and said to him, "Look, this is this is not easy. It's not going to be easy for you. Yep. Um, I can't uproot mum, myself, and the family, and the other three kids because you know you've got an opportunity in Italy. You, you know you, you either want to go because you want to take the opportunity yep. um, and learn and grow, um, or don't go. Um, but if you go, you got to commit. Yep. Which he did. He committed, and then um, you know he was there for I think three years." Uh, you know, I'd fly over there maybe once a year, yep. four or five weeks, um, spend a bit of time with him. But in the end, um, you know, clubs at, clubs at that level, you know, they loan players out to the club, so you've got to move from one town to another town, and you've got to get all your all your belongings and your TV and your, you know, you're shifting. You're always you're always on the go. And winter had set in, and you know, he wasn't experiencing winters of uh, the extreme winters that you know the European winters are here in Australia. So you know, oh, Dad, you know got to go down 300 kilometres down the road we've got to go and play this second division team or fourth division team I've got to, now got to move my staff you know I said well mate <laughs> you're there you got to do what you got to do <laughs> so but you know he had a you know he was in this strange oes and that's where they sort of spotted him from in Finland in 19 2003 it was under Ange Postacoglu yeah. by the way yeah so they they flew him to Empoli and they they signed him and then that was the time when the Grellas and the Bracianos and uh, yeah, they, they were already there. So he had uh, a number of players there that um, he knew of. Yeah. Um, other than that, then he got then he got injured, and then he got homesick, and then he came back and ended up playing with Rulev Vidmar and at Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I guess the the crux of that is is that although you're proud when your kids achieve at that elite level there's still I guess there's still the anxiousness or the anxiety of well they're over there by themselves Mm. and you've still got to be here and you can't be in two places at once that's right yeah and and you know that's that's what I put on the table yeah Uh, but I think when you're 17 you know it goes in one ear out the other and (laughs) um so he he don't think he really knew the gravity of the of the um I guess the commitment that he was going to commit himself to, um, and it, you know, obviously didn't know the ups and downs of uh, whether it was weather, whether it was injury, yep. and how to deal with it. Uh, but again, that's part of growing up. You know, you you got to experience something before you, um, you know, before you get better at doing something, don't you? Yeah, definitely. And uh, Tarawana Blueys, a, a great club locally, mm. and um, have, have achieved quite a lot, and and have got a great bunch of people from my experience. Um, is that one of the reasons why you joined them as a committee? You got some friends there, and and you saw the opportunity to volunteer and be amongst those sort of guys. I think so. I think you know, being involved in football over over the years, you you sort of you strike the friendships, and you um, you know you meet people and you enjoy their company. Um, so yeah, with um, with Tara, one of being close or local, um, I've got more of a connection with the people that are there than. Yep. Any other club? So I said, oh, I, mean, I spoke to Billy and Mickey Dent, and uh, yeah, that's that's where I find myself. And you know, it's, uh, it's difficult to run a club these days. So the, the more people you've got there, giving them a little bit of a hand, 
um, the better it is. It's, um, you know, the responsibility that's just fall on one person's shoulders. Uh, if you can spread the load, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah, a bit of refereeing and a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of doing the line in, res- in reserve grade or youth grade or you know helping in the raffle. Yep. That's what you've got to do. Finishing up, uh, what about yourself? Some other players, although you know there's probably hundreds that you've played with. Uh, a couple of players where you enjoyed or you had a, a great chemistry with. Can you can you talk about a, a few players where where you really formed up a great sort of relationship think, on the field? I think early doors, um, probably Harry and Ronnie Satin, my brother. Um, but moving through uh, over the years, um, you know Warwick Young. Mike Hollifield, Jock, Peter Kotomanides, Ruddy Stefanowski, you know, all local boys, although Ruddy wasn't local, but um, he uh, he certainly, he was from the Illawarra, he lived here. Um, We sort of, um, I think even when we see each other now, we don't have to see each other every day, but um, it brings back memories of, um, you know, a time or an era that we we all played together, enjoyed our our football, Um, and we all know each other, I mean, you know, so I think it's time for a bit, a bit of a reunion. Uh, <laughs> might talk to John Fleming about that one. You must be, uh, uh, to finish it off, you must be pretty proud of, of what you've achieved, um, where you started off with the sort of big lace-up aluminium boots, mm. walking up the driveway at Winuna and then reaching the NSL and, mm-hmm. and, and doing great things in 87 and 88. Um, you must be proud and, like you said, just then the friendships that you still have to this day. Yep. You, you must be pretty happy with, with what you've done in the game. Yeah, um, I am. Um, I've got no regrets. Um, you know, every time someone was swearing at me, you, you make a decision and you, and you go for it. You know, a bit like work commitments, I think. Sometimes you think, oh, you know, I don't, should I move on? Should I do this? Should I do that? Well, sometimes just be content where you are. Um, you know, if you can keep if you keep plugging away, opportunities will open up. If you do well, you know, door opens, you take it, and that's that's how I saw my football. That's how I saw saw my like career in um, at Bluescape as well. Yeah. You know, like you just keep plugging away and uh, give it your best shot. And uh, I think the more you put in, the more you get out, and that's that's how I sum up my football career. Well, we'll finish it there, Rob, and I sincerely appreciate you uh, allowing me into your home and and talking for so long about a a great career and it means a lot to me so thank you no well thank you mate thanks for coming thanks mate appreciate it thanks for listening and downloading episode 78 it is sincerely valued and my sincere gratitude to rob for the time he spent recounting his journey in the game I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now.